Welcome back to the Scruggs Show, season two. It's your girl, Natasha Scruggs. I'm back. I'm so excited. have so much to talk about. Welcome. Let's get it. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Natasha. Well, Miss Carter is here in town, and she so gracefully decided to help us and come in today. I love your nails, first of all. Oh, thank you. Little, little Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day feel. So me and Deanna both went to go get our nails done for Valentine's Day, but mine started breaking off, so I took them off. I'm kind of sad, but you still looking cute, girl. That's because you out here working hard for the people. <laughs> <laughs> I really cannot wait. I think I'm going to go again on, like, maybe Saturday. Okay, yeah, I need a, I need a little feeling. You need so. a feeling? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I need to probably get a facial or something on Sunday, so Hopefully, Saturday, we can get our nails done. But, um, so what's been going on, Deanna? How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm uh, officially moved back to the Midwest. Woo-woo! I'm so happy. Everybody knows I love my best friends. I've been here in Kansas City for four years. The, the day that I came, you had just moved. I had just moved to Texas. What, like two weeks before? Yeah. Yep, like two weeks. Yeah, so Deanna actually helped me get a job here when I first got here. Then she moved. Well, she was already planning on moving, so it's not like she left me. <laughs> but I felt like she left me. Um, so then she, you've been in Houston for the last, last four, four years. years. And how was that? Like, how would you sum up, like, you living in Houston? I think it was a great experience for me. Um, it definitely forced me out of my comfort zone because I didn't have the comfort of like, oh, my best friends are right here and my parents are like down the highway. So it definitely made me step outside my comfort zone, find new friends, and just explore a whole new city. New friends? I know you didn't replace me. Of course not. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Driving to Houston is like one of the worst drives of my life. It's terrible. Because I drove to Toronto before. I drove to... Florida before it's something about driving to Houston because like once you get into Texas it's, it's like a whole roads. different country <laughs> it's like okay yep. now I got five more hours or something like what yeah because Texas is huge it, it really is it's huge you could literally drive across Texas and still be in Texas the same day the same day yeah <laughs> so my question is are you do you ever see yourself going back to Texas or do you feel like You'll probably do business in Texas again. How do you feel your relationship to Texas is going to be from now business on? Business for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, moving back, we'll see. I'm open for it. But right now you're going to be in the Midwest with us. Yeah, for the foreseeable future. Okay. Well, I love that you're back, though, because we're going to do a lot of collabs and stuff like that. Um, what about real estate? Are you... What are you trying to do? What are your plans with that? I know last time we talked about real estate mm-hmm. and investing. Oh, we could talk about stocks today a little bit too okay. since you're into that. But what what's your plans when it comes to investing here in the Midwest? Uh, so definitely still plan on investing. I'm looking at some um, investment opportunities right now as far as multifamilies. Um, but Texas, um, I did start my uh, schooling for licensing there. But now that I'm back in the Midwest, uh, classes start next week. Okay, so you can get the real estate license, but then also do real estate investing. Yep. Okay, so how can, because I, I feel like we're going to be collabing on some stuff. Like, of I can course. see us doing that, can't you? Like, especially from what your mama told me. Mm-hmm. A few, her mom was. My mom's been in the real estate field <laughs> for the last 30 plus years. Yes. So it's kind of in, in my blood, you yeah. know. All the friends' mamas, we all our mamas are in each other's business as far as, like, they know what's going on. So she knows what's going on with me. And so, like, over the pandemic, I uh, went virtual 
So now she's like, well, when are you going to get another office? You need to get an office in St. Louis. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I think we could definitely collab on something of like course. that. But besides that, anytime you want to come on the podcast, I love it when you come on because I need somebody to talk to. Oh, I love it too. And definitely, it's, I'm going to definitely be making more appearances, especially once I get everything up and rolling because, you know, I want to talk about what I have going, my business, and all of that stuff. So yes. Look okay. for that. Yes. <laughs> so I had kind of a controversial take. It's Black History Month. Of course. And we've been talking about black history all month. I actually have to go to do to a high school on Friday. There's like a Black History Month assembly, social distance, of course. They wanted to hear from like a quote-unquote local black history hero. So I'm going to go in there and talk to the kids. It's like obviously it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, next month is Women's History Month. So it's just a lot of stuff historically going on. Um, no. In addition to talking about like the good things when it comes to Black history, there are some 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 quote unquote bad things, some things that people don't like to talk about, like our ugly history. Mm-hmm. So I watched Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. and great movie by the way, great movie. And then I had my critiques, so <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of controversial online because I was going like I was going back and forth with one of my mentees, and I ho- I was like I hope you don't think I'm. We just have different agreement. I mean, different opinions on this. And I was going back and forth with somebody else on Twitter, but mm-hmm. it wasn't no, it wasn't like beef. It was just like, I disagree, I disagree. So, mm-hmm. what's your general uh, thoughts about the movie? Uh, I think it basically also explains a lot about what's happening today with the Black Lives Matter movement and how they try to categorize them as like terrorists and mm-hmm. like bad people for the the work that they were trying to do or the work that they are doing. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me just talk about the movie a little bit. Like it's it's called Judas and the Black Messiah, which is basically a play on Jesus and one of his disciples Judas who mm-hmm. betrayed him in the garden, mm-hmm. one of the gardens. Mm-hmm. So it's about Fred Hampton who was a Black Panther, a well-known Black Panther who was killed at the age of 21. And Which is very young. Very like young. It. A baby. My sister is 20. My brother's 16. I always like refer to them like they babies to me. So uh, basically the movie is centered on somebody named Bill. What's his last name? Bill O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And he he was a, a FBI informant and all, he gave them the information about the Black Panthers. So that's kind of the center of the movie. So like the who who is the guy? His name is Lakeith. Lakeith is who he plays Bill O'Neill. Yeah, and then um, I can't pron- uh, remember the other Daniel. Daniel, I can't pronounce his last name, but mm-hmm. he plays uh, Fred. Fred. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what? So what? What else? I just wanted to kind of introduce the movie just in case y'all should see it. It's on Netflix, right? No, no, it's HBO. on uh, HBO Max. Yes, and I um, love and it's HBO in theaters Max. too. Um, select theaters. Oh, I didn't know it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I had looked at it on HBO. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm at home with this. So, right. <laughs> but um, it basically just talks about how Bill was kind of coerced into infiltrating the Black Panthers uh, movement and giving them intel, the FBI intel on what they were doing, mm-hmm. their, you know, what their whereabouts was, what their next moves were, yeah. so that the FBI could come in and basically dismantle and destroy the Black Panther Party. Right. And I, one thing I liked about the movie is they showed all the the things that the Black Panther Party was doing. Mm-hmm. The breakfast program, I always loved that because, you know, I do my camps and stuff, so right. I believe that kids are 
a priority and they mm-hmm. should be a priority when it comes to black liberation because they are the future. Exactly. So I like how they showed them doing that. They showed them giving talks. They education. Showed, yeah, education. Um, what what education do you feel like we had in school about the Black Panther Party? Like, do you feel like they told us bad things about it, good things about it, or, or neutral? All I remember is that they kind of, like, skimmed the surface of it. It was like they existed, they were a bad group because they um, basically tried to go against the U.S. government and they were killed for it. Mm-hmm. And even with talking to my mom about, like, you know, she lived during that time. I was like, well, how was it? Did Was it a lot of people trying to be involved? She was like, well, from my perspective, it was kind of the same now where you see these, you know, black people being killed by police. She was like, that's how they made it seem. Like, here was a group of black people who were doing things that you shouldn't be doing, and the police went and killed them. Oh, okay. So that so they were kind of using them as an example back exactly. then. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just remember them talking about, like, as far as our educators, our teachers and stuff like that, I remember them talking about the Black Panther Party as, like, it's, as a terrorist organization, I, some of them will even put it in the same category as the KKK, mm-hmm. and that's because it was on the FBI watch list. Mm-hmm. So the KKK was, was, was I don't even know if it's listed as a terrorist organization. but I It just, should be. It should be. It's supposed to be, but I don't think it is right now, or it was. Maybe it is now. But I just remember them putting them in the same category. And I'm like, wait, I never seen the Black Panther Party burning uh, crosses. I never seen them kidnapping, you know, people from their homes. So Hanging it was a stupid equivalency and, to me. And all kind of, you know. Yeah. like Inhumane things. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about domestic terrorism, domestic white terrorism, KKK is the is a big picture of that. It's a mm-hmm. big example of that. Um, so... Like, let's talk about the the aesthetics of the movie, and then let's talk about, like, the message of the movie. Mm-hmm. So we like the, the the main character who plays Fred Hampton's fiancé and wife. Mm-hmm. Not, not wife. Mother of his child. Right. She, she Her name is Dominique. What's her last name? Folks or something like that? Or Foles? Foles. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I love her. She looks so, pu- she looks so pretty in the movie. She was mm-hmm. wearing her natural hair. Yep. I've seen her, her skin was beautiful. She just looked, you know, like she a was black powerful. woman in in that time and era. She did. She and I liked her because um of her her voice. She wasn't loud, but she she had a presence. Yes, she held space. And that's what something I feel like black women did in the civil rights movement. They held a space that could not be filled by others. Mm-hmm. So one thing that 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 took me back was when she was talking to Fred after a rally when he said, if I die, you know, at least I'm dying mm-hmm. in the name of the people type mm-hmm. thing. And she was like, well, I, I hear you, but I have a child in me, so I can't say that because I have to take care of my child. It's kind of like... And I felt that on a whole nother level. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel her, and I feel like that's kind of like the black men and black women's position in the movement is like we have two different we have two different positions. So it's like we could say what Fred Hampton said. However, since women we bear kids, we, we give life. We, yeah, we give life. We have to teach that that life. We have to be alive for that. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a delicate place to be and that conversation was kind of uncomfortable. But I'm glad they put it in there because basically he was saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. This is my passion. 
of course I love my kid. Are you saying you don't want to have my kid? You know, mm-hmm. it. but that's honestly, if you, if you hear people who have, uh, who say that they don't want to date, if you hear black people that say that they don't want to date black people, they'll say that. They'll say, you know, I don't want my kid to have to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, you can't really escape that. But right. that is a conversation. And that's the thing that I, I, I thought about it a little differently. It's like, it's crazy the fact that death or jail was the only options. Like, it was no other, there was no other outcome for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, First of all, they arrested him because they said he stole 700 ice cream bars or something. And yeah, he, like he, $75 worth of <laughs> ice cream or something. Something crazy. And he was like, I can't eat I can't eat that ice cream. And when he got out on bail in the movie, this is a spoiler, so I'm going to have to put spoiler alert. Y'all better watch the movie before. But when he got out, he was out because they appealed it. Mm-hmm. He, he had got convicted, but they appealed it. By the time, like right before he died, the appellate judge said, "I agree with the conviction." That's so stupid, right? And that's 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 one of the reasons. So why he was looking like, "Okay, well, I'm going back. I'm going back, and I'm and gonna it's have not to do really two a spoiler years. because it was it's based off of real life. It so is. it kind of already happened. It is. So you know, but, but but like you said, he was either facing. I'm so if he didn't die that day, he mm-hmm. would have went to prison for two years. Exactly. So his 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 fiance still would have had his child alone she still would have had to raise him alone for a certain mm-hmm. period amount of time and like you said why is that the choice like why is that for what giving back to the community yeah being being an outspoken leader for change bringing whites hispanics blacks together mm-hmm. to who have been you know oppressed by this system that was never built you know what's weird to me i, I I'm such a nerd. I got on YouTube because I was trying to find all the interviews and stuff. He was interviewed by, like, national media outlets. Like, it wasn't just... I kind of always saw him as, like, a local hero, mm-hmm. even though I knew he was bigger than that. Like, Megger Evers was 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 really big in Mississippi, but he still had impact outside of Mississippi. Right. Um, but I kind of I kind of saw him... I, I saw Megger Evers and I saw Fred Hampton as local heroes. I never really saw them as the same as having the same reach as Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X Mm -hmm. and people like that. Another local hero I would say is like Fannie Lou Hamer, but it's like, like I'm saying, she's, it's it's beyond her locality, Mm -hmm. but she's big in her city. Right. So I feel like Fred Hampton was really big in Chicago, Mm -hmm. but when you look on YouTube, you can see all these records. First of all, he died in 1969. Which, we, is, which is not that long ago. Right. It's at all. 1969. So when you think about that generation-wise, again, that's my parents' generation. Right. And that's before my mama was born. So, so it's like, to me... <laughs> well, so yeah, my mama's older than your mom. Right. Right? So, but it's like in this same little generation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if it's your grandparents' generation, that's still... It is. Not that long ago. No, my grandparents are young. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that's like... So the so the acting the way that Dan, Daniel he did excellent acting mm-hmm. I liked Lakeith's acting mm-hmm. I liked all the actors they all did well you know he said he has he has to go to therapy now because he played that role because I can understand how you can be so torn yeah. and looking at like the America today and even having to deal with the historical America and basically feeling like you betrayed 
you know, an entire country of black people. Right. You know. Right. But it was a role. You know. It's interesting because the same way that Lakeith played his role is the same way that Bill O'Neill played his role. Mm-hmm. I believe that they they each play a role. So this is my this is my critique of the movie. I know it's based on a story, and I know that it has to be sold to Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. But I always feel some type of way when we're talking about you know, true crime stories or true crime movies or true crime TV mm-hmm. because it reflects real life and it also could be used as a tool to teach people the wrong stuff. Right. So I always talk about Law & Order, how Law & Order has so many, like, um, civil rights violations mm-hmm. and so many, like, you know, Fourth Amendment violations, but they do it and so people think it's cool. So they'll walk up to somebody and punch them in the mouth and be like, tell me what's going on or tell me. <laughs> and then they tell them and then it's, and we rooting for them, but right. actually they just violated that person's rights, you right. know? So I do have a problem with that. I'm always like, oh, I'm always like cringing because I know it affects black people when the that most. happens. Yeah. Yeah. So what I first, so it's called Judas and the Black Messiah. And I know that it's supposed to be cute. It's supposed to be coy. It's supposed to be like Hollywood. But I don't like that because mm-hmm. it's a, it's kind of playing on the words of, you know, I talk about female archetypes and male archetypes. So the Messiah is a male archetype. Mm-hmm. So they're, so they're trying to say that Fred Hampton is the Messiah. Mm hmm. Now they're trying to say that Bill O'Neill was a quote-unquote Judas. Mm-hmm. I, I separate that mm-hmm. because if we talk about the real Judas, he was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they said that he betrayed him for what? Some silver or some mm-hmm. gold or some something? Gold, yeah. So Lakeith, <laughs> I don't want to say him because he's going to be like, it's not me. It's Bill <laughs> O'Neill. Bill O'Neill was a teenager. He was a juvenile mm-hmm. who was allegedly committing crimes because nobody ever says allegedly when they talking about him. He's a child. He's a juvenile. Mm-hmm. They So in the movie, they show him as impersonating the FBI agent. In real life, he never impersonated an FBI agent. Mm. So in the movie, they had him impersonating the FBI agent in order to steal a car. In the movie, in the, in real life, he, he said that he just stole a car. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why did they do that? Were they trying to portray him as some mastermind Mm -hmm. because he was 17 years old. So I want that to be clear. We're dealing with a juvenile. We're dealing with someone who was 17 Mm -hmm. who committed a crime, Mm -hmm. who allegedly committed a crime. Right. The police arrest him, and then the FBI said, hey, we need somebody to go and infiltrate the Black Panther. They take a minor. They didn't talk to his parents. They didn't talk to a guardian. They told him, if you don't want to go to jail, all you have to do is be our informant. Mm -hmm. That 17-year-old child, let's be clear, does not have the mental capacity to even consent. Mm -hmm. He does not have the the knowledge of what he's signing up for. And And that, in real estate, is a voidable contract. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot... In the legal field, too, you you have to have parental consent or you have to be able to legally consent right but i will say in the legal field they will legally make you 18 even though you're technically not 18 which mm-hmm. is a whole nother issue so i saw on facebook on twitter on instagram everybody bashing him like this is what i hate these uncle toms these 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 coons these this these that okay so everybody's like 
looking at him. Mm-hmm. And that's what the focus of the movie was. And I don't like that. Why are we all looking at the 17-year-old mm-hmm. kid who's clearly in, suffering in poverty? Mm-hmm. Is he in an affluent neighborhood? Did he ha- was he it- still in the car for fun? <laughs> no. Was he joyriding? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so he's, 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 he's a young... First of all, it's the 1960s. Like, people don't understand the, the, the format, the setting. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Fred Hampton's fiance and his son participated in the film. What what they participated in was authenticating, making sure that his story was, was, told. was real. And mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. What I would have wanted was, I wanted more focus on Fred Hampton. Like, did you know that he knew Emmett Till? Mm. Like, that's real. I didn't know. Like, that's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. The fact that his mom used to babysit, babysit him, him. Yeah. That's a big that's a big deal. I wanted I wanted to see the life of Fred Hampton, the childhood of Fred Hampton and things. Mm. Because I he and I have a lot in common. When you see injustices happen as a child and you know that you can't change it, when you get older, mm-hmm. you want to change it. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Them focusing on but see, this is so so my whole critique is we're focusing on the 17-year-old making a decision coming into the Black Panthers. He didn't know Fred Hampton. He didn't know the Black Panthers. Right. So I don't consider him a Judas. He was a juvenile, co- coerced, mm-hmm. recruited mm-hmm. to do the, to by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. That's what I care about. And I'll, paid by the U.S. government. You got to remember, too, that even, even with that, they were giving him, they gave him a car. They, they were giving him gifts. So he felt like, oh, this was okay because now I don't have to figure out where my next meal is coming from. Not only that, if... if and a lot of people talking, I'm like, you saying this right now because it's on Twitter. But if the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, who is the head of the FBI, the Cook County Attorney's Office, the Cook County prosecutors, and the Chicago police all tell you to do something, mm-hmm. and you're 17, it's not a lot of people that wouldn't do that. Right. If you don't have the knowledge, if you don't have the support and things like that. Right. Of course I don't agree with it. Duh. Like people people was acting like I was saying I was agreeing with it. What? Are you crazy? Why? I'm saying that I feel like everybody who was involved in that situ- situation was a victim of the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. a victim of white supremacy, and a victim of the United States government. Yeah. J. Edgar Hoover's name has been attached to my um, Dr. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. has been attached to Minister Malcolm X, mm-hmm. has been attached to a lot of these people. Um, in Mississippi, like I was talking about with Megger Evers, there was a commission, there was a Mississippi Sovereignty Commission that did the same thing that that, he, that Hoover was doing. Yeah, I they, was going to say, it set a precedent that yeah, it was okay to do this. They stuff. were spending money to spy on black people who were trying to help the community and killing them. Mm-hmm. So I want the names, instead of Bill O'Neill being the star of the movie and instead of him being the face of, you know, who killed Fred Hampton, mm-hmm. who are the, what's the names of the two cops that actually pulled the trigger? Do mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we don't know the names. That those are, That should be household names, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I want to know the names of the two cops that pulled the trigger. I want to know who their supervisor's names are. I want to know who the police chief was at that time, his name. We do have the FBI guy's name. 
Um, I want to know, we do have J. Edgar Hoover's name, but guess what? His name is still on buildings. He's mm -hmm. still promoted as a as an important historical figure mm -hmm. in the United States. And he's not. Right. He toured through black communities. He's and, not. And, and we are still feeling those effects today. Yeah. So it's, I just don't like, I don't like that. As a, as a criminal justice advocate, as far as, I feel like I'm an expert in the criminal justice field. As a prison abolitionist, as a defense attorney, I see so many issues with what happened. Um, it's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar to what happened on when they see us, when they were, um, when they told them to confess and different mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. You're basically manipulating the law to fit an agenda. Mm -hmm. So they used the law to kill Fred Hampton, and then they said it was a justified killing. Mm. How? Makes no sense. It doesn't. <laughs> I then, can't tell you how. And then when Bill O'Neill did an interview years later, he said he didn't know. Like, he said that when he saw the scene, this is just what he said, that he realized that the information that he gave killed him. Mm. But it's not like he knew for a fact that he was going to die, at least what he said. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, Fred Hampton's family hates him. Of course they do. Mm -hmm. That's that. I understand that. And right. I'm never going to excuse what he did. But I don't think that it should be... The, it should it shouldn't be the main story in Fred Hampton's um he shouldn't be the main villain in Fred Hampton's story and he right. shouldn't be the main villain in the movie right it was a system yeah. that was built to go directly against Fred Hampton like money if, let's be clear if it wasn't Bill O'Neill it would have been somebody else and they had I think they had like two thousand informants and and yeah I mean even in the movie um they talked about another informant that went to um the safe house and was kind of manipulating um them with the fact that he's like yeah we found an informant in our um in our um uh, team and we oh. remember oh yeah i remember that and so, that's why he was scared they say he was he was scared and he exactly. was having dreams and things like yeah. that yeah so i just want you know i would just have people have a little compassion and even in the movie you could see he was just torn yeah i mean so he's human at the yeah. end of the day and I watched his interviews and things like that, and I saw, and he killed himself when mm -hmm. that, when that, when that came out. Um, it's very. This is something I said on the grapevine. I said sometimes black people like to think that we have more power than we do, and we like to think that we're more we're responsible for more things than we actually are. If the U.S. government put a hit out, like let's be clear, mm -hmm. criminal. Mm -hmm. If the U.S. government committed a crime by conspiring to murder Fred Hampton and somebody else, the uh, his his I forgot the name, his comrade mm -hmm. as well, that's a big conspiracy on behalf of the United States government. If the United States government recruited a 17-year-old to give them information, why are we only focusing on that? And and the reason why it makes sense is because I've heard that. There's rumors that there are informants now. Mm -hmm. There's rumors that the FBI is still doing the same thing to this day. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised because it's legal. That's what I care about. It shouldn't be legal for them to coerce people into being informants by... But that's the whole criminal justice system. You're mm -hmm. wagering things. You're saying, if you give me this, I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. I'll wipe away all your crimes if you become an informant for us or if you do this for us. Like, mm -hmm. you can buy freedom here in the United States. So it's just, to me, this movie is a big... Because black people have no wealth, our freedom is 
information. Information. Information and labor. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I, like, the way that I classify Bill O'Neill is I classify him as an external prisoner. So even though he was not within the prison walls, I don't believe that he had the um, the freedom to not do what they told him to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like once he once he came out, as a 17-year-old, that they required him to give them the information. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had a he had a choice. So a lot of people argue with me and say he did have a choice. He could have told, he could have did this, he could have did that. Well, the FBI told him he didn't have a choice. Right. So does that mean that people in prison right now that are working for Verizon Wireless and working for all these companies in prison, do they have a choice or are they prisoners? Mm-hmm. Like, let's be clear about this. And then um, people were saying, well, he could have told Fred Hampton and them, According to him, he said he was scared that if he told them that they would kill him mm-hmm. because that had been a big problem. Like right, and even somebody. in the movie, that's what that's what I was that's what I was talking about. The other informant, mm-hmm. he was actually the informant, came saying, "Yeah, we had to kill this other person because we found out he was an informant." Mm-hmm. And that's when you can see Bill went to the FBI. Do they anybody know about me? Do they know because you know they killed you know this other guy and he's in the river and you know he thought he was gonna die. Right. So I I just think it's too complicated to just put it in, oh, he's a sellout, oh, he's a coon, oh, he's this, oh, he's that. It's just too deep for that. And I think that this is something that we should focus on as a unit and as a community to make, this should not be okay. We should not be complacent with this. We should not be complacent with them doing this as far as making people informants, using that against them. All of the things that they do in the name of justice, manipulating the law to fit an agenda, it just shouldn't happen anymore. I don't know. I really don't know. And then right after that, Malcolm X, um, I think the 56th anniversary of his death happened, and a black police officer's nephew came out and said that his uncle had told him what what they had him do. They had him kind of be like an informant mm. or they had him working for them. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a letter and it's, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. But like I said, I feel like what happened to Fred Hampton, what happened to Malcolm X, what happened to Dr. Martin Luther King, what happened to a lot of these people is all connected. And I think it should be, I think it should be investigated, but not by the government because they did it. They did it. Mm-hmm. So I think that it should be like, I think, I don't know how, I don't know what type of, you know, system we got to set up, but I feel like all of these things need to be laid out. Like mm-hmm. this is American history. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why our leaders were taken away from us, mm-hmm. you know? And each one of them, Meg or Evers included, had a wife and had kids. They had to grow up knowing that their parent has suffered a death, not just from violence, but political death. Mm-hmm. That's scary. You know what I'm saying? And no justice was served behind it. None. And some people even tell me, they like, well, be careful, sister. Are you always talking about this? Are you always talking about that? And they're like, well, you know, you know, the, the KCPD know your name. I know they know my name. I know they know me. I mean, sometimes I forget because I'm like, how do they know me? But I do criticize <laughs> them on TV every day. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I keep criticizing them. That's probably why they know me. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, all I'm doing is fighting for my people. That's all. I didn't say, I don't say, I don't lie. I talk about things that have numerical, statistical value, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that that fear that people are trying to put on me 
it's the reason why more people aren't involved. Like everybody mm-hmm. knows this is this is scary and mm-hmm. this is bad, but it is scary for people to say, okay, I want to join the movement too. Because they're like, well, I don't want nothing to happen to my family. And I I, I understand that's, that. I mean, that's a real fear. It is. It's a real fear. And that's why I was saying it's sad that there's really only two options when you, for for Fred. It was only two options, jail or, or death. Yeah. But I think at least now we are in a in an era where they want to make it. They, they're doing the, the fluff to make it seem like they want justice to be served. But when you push back and tell them, no, this is what real justice is, they're like, oh, that's what, no, that's what that's we're talking about. That's what it about. is. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, that, not that surface level stuff, mm-hmm. not cosmetic surgery. Mm-hmm. We're talking about deep, deep, deep surgery. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, let me know if y'all watch the movie. Please comment, like, subscribe. If you like the movie, let me know. If you agree with me. If you disagree with me, let me know. Mm-hmm. I would, I'll sit up here and talk. Like, I was talking to people all day. People who were saying, I don't care. He still shouldn't have did it. I understand that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not arguing that. I just don't think that he should be the focus of people's. I think that it's a scheme. I think that he's a scapegoat by the government. The government uses yeah. scapegoats. Like, take your attention off of us and put it on him. Mm-hmm. Somebody like, has to be. Somebody has to be. And the government don't want it to be them because they want to keep doing what they do. Exactly. So, yeah, y'all, thank y'all for watching The Scrug Show and listening. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Scrug Show. And like, comment, subscribe. Also, we're on Apple Music, Spotify. What else? Website. YouTube. (laughs) YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) See you later.